American Idols, and, and after focusing after all these weeks on this is who God is, here's the attributes of God, powerful, mighty, strong, faithful, this is who God is, so we want to make sure we understand this is who God is, and then let's recognize maybe the other gods we've put into our lives so we can step back and say, that's not God. And I need to dethrone that God off of my heart so that I can worship the one true God. So that's what this uh, series is all about. And uh, if you want to learn more, you want to read more, uh, besides the Bible, there's a book out there called Gods of War by Kyle Eidelman. Uh, sort of inspired by reading that book and going through some of his studies, I felt, you know, we need to share this. So this is uh, some of what I've been reading along with from God's Word combined together and what God's laid on my heart I'm sharing with you. So again, if you want more, you can uh, check out Kyle's book. Let's think about this, okay? In Christianity, there's one God, right? It's really simple, one God, which is completely different than many other religions. Many other religions out there have multitudes of gods, or they may say they have one God, but they have multitudes of ways in which they worship Him, and it still doesn't make sense with what God's shared with us. If you study other religions and these multiple gods, you're going to see that there's a big difference too. In Christianity, we have one true, powerful, faithful, mighty God. He is holy. He is eternal. Now, when you start talking about another religion and what they worship as far as their God, small g, by the way, okay, their God differs in the sense that he is not any of those things or just some of those things. So what makes our God a big G, capital G, different than their God, small g? Here's another difference. God, our God, has relentless love for us. All-consuming love. I'm going out of my way to pursue you type love. That's God. Loving us so much that he left heaven, he left his throne, humbled himself, entered our lives. And he never gives up in trying to win our hearts. Open up your Bibles, if you would please, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring you one. Philippians chapter 2. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Get past that. Acts, Romans. First and Second Corinthians. Get the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You are there. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 6. After Paul talked about being uh, unified through humility, verse 6 says this, Though he was God, referring to Jesus Christ, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. Verse 8. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Look through some of those words in that passage. Instead of what he had, it says, instead he, he gave up his divine privileges. God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. He says, I love you so much, I'm sending Jesus. I'm going to do this. Send my son, but he is giving up everything. Every divine privilege as the Son of God, he gave up. Look at some other words in there. He humbled himself. He put himself into a humble position of a slave. He humbled himself in obedience. 
What other gods do you know in other religions that do that? They don't. It's always about that God and worshiping that God and what that God's going to do. Not how that God loves us back. Our God does. John 3, 16 is very clear on that, right? For God so what? Love the world. That he what? He, give me that next word. He gave. Yeah. You know the truth. We know the truth. Unfortunately, though, <clears throat> there's a battle that takes every day, takes place here every day, in our hearts. The battle that's going on, fighting for the throne of our lives. A false God and a real God. A God who loves us relentlessly, and then the things of this world, the gods of this world that says, I want place in your heart. I want to be number one in your heart. Meanwhile, our one true eternal God says, that's my place. But then the things of the world try to creep in, and there's this battle that goes back and forth. And the gods of this world, as they battle, you know, you think about this, why, why is idolatry discussed so much in the Bible? Sometimes we don't even realize it, but it's all over the Bible. It's in there because of the battle that's taking place here. All gods must be dethroned so that the God, one only God, can have its place on the throne of our heart. So let's talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about the gods of pleasure, okay? Now, understanding the audience I have, including some my mom, my mom and dad, you say, we've got little ears in the house. You know what I'm saying? Okay? The children. So I'm going to substitute a word today for all you adults. Okay? It rhymes with Texas. Okay? We're going to use the word intimacy. You all follow me now? The kids go, huh? Good. All right. You follow me this. Because there's all multitudes of gods of pleasure, and as I refer to different things this morning, I'm going to nail down to one, but the different things we talk about, sayings we hear all the time is this. If it feels good, do it. If you have a, a passion, fulfill it. See, the God of pleasure in this world says, hey, if it's feeling good, it's all right. I want to be happy. So let's pursue it. Let's find pleasure in life, right? Same, uh, let's sort of say it in a similar way, and that is, if it isn't fun, if it isn't pleasurable, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to church because church isn't fun. I don't want to go to school because school isn't fun. Right? I don't want to go to work. I have no fun at work. We end up associating thinking that life is supposed to be all fun and happy, right? You just start playing that happy song and everybody's happy all the time. And it feels good and it's pleasurable, right? Who told you that it was supposed to be that way all the time? Now, the joy of the Lord's in my heart. Yeah, that might be something else, but to be happy. And like, listen, you go to work, go to church, go to school, wherever maybe you're going. The number one factor or the number one purpose in going there might not be fun. When you go to school, it's there to learn. To educate yourself. You go to church, we come to worship God. When you go to work, you're going to create, to produce, to do something that God's created you to do using the skills he's given you. Hopefully, you are enjoying that, but it's not about you having fun. But the world today says, if you're not having fun, you might want to just check out and go somewhere else. You should be having fun. So we love how things make us happy, so we occupy our time pursuing more happiness. Whether it's food or intimacy or entertainment, unfortunately, that pursuit usually leads to pain. Is where it all ends up. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. That's back Old Testament now. 1 Kings 16. 
1 Kings 16, there's a list of all kinds of kings. Go figure, 1 Kings. It's a good place to talk about kings, right? All these kings who either followed God or did not follow God, 1 Kings chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 30. Talk about a king by the name of Ahab. Story in here about this king. Verse 30 says, But Ahab did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Listen to this. Even more than any of the kings before him. Look at the person next to you and say, Boy, he was evil. Oh, yeah, he is really evil. Check out what happens, verse 31. And as though it were not enough to live like Jeroboam, who was also evil, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ephbal of the Sidonians, and he began to worship Baal. Let me hear you say bad news. These kings were supposed to grow up worshiping God, proclaiming God. Instead, they fell away from God. They did evil. 32. First, he built a temple, and then an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any other king of Israel before him. How would you like that to be written about you? When you're gone and, and people are reading about you and they say, oh, how do you remember him? Oh, he did more evil than any other king. He did more to anger God than any other king ever angered God. I don't see that as a good thing, do you? That that's how he's being remembered. Well, he marries this wicked queen, Jezebel, and they have this desire basically to eliminate God because they want to bring in this other multitude of gods, namely Baal and all the other gods that followed Baal. So as you read through 1 Kings chapter 16, then you get to 1 Kings 17, there's a gentleman by the name of Elijah, a prophet of God. Great story about Elijah. Elijah, though, is told by God, there's going to be a drought in this land. It's going to last quite a while. Uh, by the way, Baal is the God who represented the one who took care of the weather. Why don't you think about this? Baal takes care of the weather. and God says, oh, there's going to be a drought in this land. It's not going to rain for a long time. Make the connection here, please. Baal's supposed to take care of the weather. God says, ah, I've got this. I don't know if you ever noticed this, something to consider, but God withholds his blessing in the very areas in which we lift up false gods. Let me say it again. God withholds his blessings in the very areas in which we lift up false gods. You think about our money-obsessed culture that we live in, is it any wonder why we have economic problems at times? If we worship something, do you think God's going to bless it? Hey, God, would you just help me do this today? Because I want to do it to honor you. Really, is it to honor God, or is it because it's something we're pursuing? See, when we're, we're pursuing certain pleasures in our life, we're making it a God. Do you think God's really going to bless that? We've had this discussion in our house multiple times. Well, you want God to bless you in athletics. Is athletics taking you away from God? Because if athletics is taking you away from God, do you think God's going to bless athletics? That's his competition. Hey, God, can you bless my competition with you, please? I know it's an idol in my life, and I've really got it up here on the chart. Could you bless that and make it really good? I know it takes me away from you, but would you bless that? You think God says, you're right, I want my opponent to get bigger, so I'm going to bless that. So we have discussions at times about, is this a God in our life? It is. We've got to knock it out. These, these 
talks are, are often. It's something I think we all need to come about and say, listen, God withholds his blessings from the very areas that we lift up as false gods, so we shouldn't be surprised when we see something in our life not going well, especially if we've made it an idol. God loves to smash idols. If you see that in your life being smashed right now, maybe it's become an idol. Something to pray about, something to look at, something to examine. Right, let's go on. First Kings chapter 18. Start at verse 1. <clears throat> After many months passed, in the third year of the drought, three years, oh, farmers, three years. Go imagine this, okay? Three years, no rain. The Lord said to Elijah, go present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I'll send some rain. So Elijah went and appeared before Ahab. Let me tell you how this goes down without reading the whole scripture. Elijah goes to Ahab. They have this conversation. Basically what's going to happen is a showdown on Mount Carmel. Elijah, all the prophets of Baal. They're going to meet up on this mountain. We're going to see who the real God is. Will the real God please stand up? Sort of what's going to happen here, okay? So let's see what happens. Let's fast forward here to verse 26. Verse 26 of chapter 18. As they're standing up on this mountain now, they prepared one of the bulls, they placed it on the altar, they called on the names of Baal, morning, all morning, shouting, O Baal, answer us! But there's no reply of any kind. They danced wildly around the altar they made. See, when Elijah sort of sat there with them and all these Baal, uh, prophets of Baal and all the people gathered. I mean, they had a huge crowd come to watch. It was pretty cool because actually, Baal, I'm sorry, Elijah did something that Joshua did. Remember last week he said, Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Elijah sort of did the same thing. Matter of fact, I'm going to have you back up a few verses. Let's go to verse 20. Ahab summoned all the people and the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of them and said this. Now listen, he's in front of all the people. Prophets of Baal are off to his side. They're getting ready to prepare their altar. And he says this. How long are you going to waver between the two? If it's the Lord God, he is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then you follow him. So Elijah said, listen people, come on. Either we're going to follow God or not. You choose today. Follow God at all the prophets of Baal, or follow Baal. What do you say? Now, if you remember back in Joshua, all the people were like, we'll follow God, we'll follow God, right? Check out what happens here. But the people were completely silent. They're silent. They didn't say anything. Some of you are in leadership. You understand when somebody doesn't say something, it's because either one, they don't want to go with the choice you're leaning towards, or they want both, but they don't know how to choose. These people were silent. I believe they wanted both. They wanted to follow God, but they also knew what would happen if they didn't follow Baal. The consequences there from the king. What are the most worshipped gods of pleasure? What are the things of pleasure of life that we want to be so happy about that brings us joy or fun, I should say? What would they be? Most people run with intimacy. You know, the most searched word on the internet right now Pornography makes more money than all the music industry put together. You name it, hip-hop, country, Christian. Take all the music industries, all, bring them all together. All the money they make, pornography, ministry, pornography 
industry makes so much more. Okay. How about gaming, electronics, sports? Okay, now I'm going to pick on one with all of us, okay? So don't be squirming in your seats, okay? But here's the one that we all deal with, okay? Because I love this, and that's called food, okay? Okay? In the animated movie Over the Hedge, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, a group of animals, if you've seen Over the Hedge, okay? There's a scene in this movie uh, where all these animals, they decide to move from the woods to the suburbs because that's where all the food is. And there's R.J. the raccoon who green, brings all of his animals together and he says, listen, I made a discovery. Human beings are bottomless pits of food, okay? He says, we eat to live, those guys live to eat. And he goes on to say he offers to show the other animals what he's talking about. And so they, they take this peek into humanity and he says this, the human mouth is a pie hole, the person himself is a couch potato. Telephones are devices for summoning food as this pizza delivery boy shows up to deliver food, okay? Humans bring the food, take the food, ship the food, drive the food, and then he shows a family sitting around the table eating in the dining room. And he goes, that's the altar they worship food at as the family prays around the dinner table. He points to a treadmill and he goes, that gets rid of the guilt so they can eat more food. Food, okay. $110 billion spent every year on fast food. $110 billion spent every year on fast food. Now, that's greater than movies, books, magazines, videos, newspaper, and recorded music industry put together. Okay? That's how much money we spend on fast food. 65% of Americans are overweight, but listen to me, the scales don't tell the whole story. You can have a strong metabolism, okay? You can look fit and look great and still have food as a God in your life. We can make nutritious food a God in our life. Look at the healthy foods I'm eating. Look at, we can make that a God in our life. See, when it comes down to it, is it being healthy or is it more than just being healthy? Have we made food a thing of vanity and appearance and made it a God in our life? Here's a good way to put it. If your pumpkin spice latte means more to you than sipping on God's word in the morning, it might be a God in your life, okay? We all love food, right? Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. I'm not going to knock food. I'm not going to knock entertainment. I'm not going to knock athletics as we talk about all these idols in our lives. The question is, we've got to make sure that those things have not become a God in our life more so than the God of this universe is a God in our life. We've got to be careful what we're doing with these things. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 9.7 says, so go ahead. Eat your food with joy. Drink your wine and have a happy heart for God approves of this. God says, enjoy your food. It's good. I gave it to you. God gives us so much. The problem is we take the things that God gives us and sometimes we make that a God instead of God himself. For some, it's during our childhood, if I want to go back to this issue of food. We're looking for comfort. Where do we turn? For me, it was a Schwann's ice cream truck. Okay? <laughs> it was that big five-gallon tub of vanilla ice cream. That was very comforting every, every night. Every night. Okay? When you experience disappointment in your life, maybe a financial issue, maybe a breakup, Maybe some kind of news that you didn't expect to hear. What do you do? Who do you turn to in those moments when you're hurting? 
this is what I'm talking about. The gods of pleasure are the gods that come into our life in those moments of discomfort, and we try to find comfort from them. So in those moments of discomfort, we turn to food, we turn to intimacy, we turn to sleep, we turn to games, we turn to music, we turn to all these things. Where we turn reveals where we've placed our hope. Follow me on this? Where we turn in those moments of pain is where we place our hope. Those become our God. So in your pain, in your discomfort, if you're turning to food, if you're turning to sleep, if you're turning to games, if you're turning to an improper relationship, you're making that a God ahead of the one true God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, anybody know what the next word? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What have we done in our lives in moments of discomfort? What have you put there? What item of pleasure have you substituted in and say, well, I've been worrying about this, I've been worrying about this. What does Paul say? Instead of worrying, we should pray about everything. God is our first response, not our last resort. And if God is our last resort, then something else is winning the war of our hearts, and we have to check that out. When we make pleasure at God, it eventually leads to destruction. Let me give you some examples. Uh, Pastor Ben mentioned this, uh, David and Bathsheba, that story. You can go back and look that up. Samson and Delilah. Again, when we make pleasure at God, it eventually leads to a path of destruction. Like those in history, we sort, of, we sort of sit back and say, how did it come to this? How did I end up here? I, what was I thinking? And all of a sudden you find yourself in a place, you're like, I don't want to be here. Same story we read earlier. Go back to 1 Kings now, if you're still there, hopefully. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now let's read verse 26. So they prepared one of the bulls, placed it on the altar. They called on the name of Baal all morning, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. They danced wildly around the altar they made. About noontime, Elijah began to mock them. This is Christian, um, Christian smack here, okay? You have to shout louder. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or he's relieving himself. Maybe he's on a trip. <laughs> Maybe sleeping. He needs to be waking up. Okay? Trash talk, Christian way. Okay, here we go. So look at verse 28. So they shouted louder. They followed their normal custom. Listen, they cut themselves with knives and swords as they danced wildly around this false altar, this false god. They raved all afternoon until the time of an evening sacrifice, but there was no reply, no voice, no answer. You know why? Because there's no God except one true God. Sometimes we sit there and say, I can't believe I've been acting this way. I can't believe I've been doing this. I can't believe that I've allowed this to creep into my life. It's no different than what happened back in biblical times. When you fall away from worshiping the one true God, it's amazing what customs we pick up, what habits we start. I'm trying to find comfort and hope. But in the end, we reach rock bottom. And we discover there's only one true God who saves, one God who brings comfort. So we have to get to this point of quitting, okay? I'm, I get a rash around my neck thinking about this. 
I don't like to say the word quit. It's a four-letter word in my book, okay? Matter of fact, any sports team I talk to, we don't talk about quitting. I always say we, we're going to go do it, okay? Because we don't quit. You look the word don't and look the word quit. Take the first two letters of the word don't is what? And the last two letters of the word quit is, so we always say do it, don't quit. It's not about don't quit, it's just do it, okay? So, so what I'm about ready to say right now is, is sort of, it sounds a little different than what I would normally say. And I'm going to say this, quit. When it comes to the things that we are struggling with, the pleasures of our heart, we just got to quit. We hit rock bottom. We say, I'm done. I quit. It's got to come from our lips to God. We got to go to God and say, God, I quit. I quit this habit. I quit this pleasure in my life. I can't do it anymore. I need you. As soon as you surrender that, then God's ready to start working in your life. God brings comfort. God's not going to force his way into your life because he's not some big controlling ogre that works his way into your life and says, you stop this. He wants us to say, I'm going to quit this so that I can take you into my life, God, and bring me the comfort I need. You need to be the God of my life. Heard a story about a little five-year-old girl, cheerful little girl. She was with her mom one day at a, at a little con- a store walking around, and she was over by the toys. And she's over by the toys. She saw these these pearl necklaces. And she looked at it, she really wanted it. So this little five-year-old girl, girl goes to her mom, goes, Mom, you know, I really want this necklace. And the mom's like, well, you know, it's $1.95. And uh, I, I know right now you have a little bit of money at home. I don't know if you have enough money, though. Your birthday's coming up, and Grandma always gives you dollars, so that will help. Maybe you can do some extra chores around the house, and I'll give you a little bit more money. So the little girl thought about that, and so they got home. She emptied out her piggy bank. She counted out 17 pennies. Okay. After dinner, she did a few chores for mom around the house. She went over to the neighbor's house, asked if she could pick dandelions for a neighbor for 10 cents. Birthday came. Grandma gave her a dollar. And she had enough money now to go back and get those pearls. She loved those pearls. If you can imagine a little five-year-old girl. Some of you have boys. We have no clue what we're talking about here, okay? But for the girls to wear a little pearl necklace, walk around the house, she dressed up, made her feel really good. Well, every night when she would go to bed, she would, um, her dad would come up, sit down and talk with her. And one night, daddy came up, read her story, and asked her, her name is Jenny, Jenny, can I have those pearls? Would you give those to me? And you love me, right, Jenny? Would you give those pearls to me? And she goes, I love you, daddy, but I want to give you the pearls. All right, that's okay. She'd wear those pearls all through the week. She'd wear them to Sunday school, to kindergarten. Sometimes she'd wear them to bed. Next night, Daddy came upstairs, and actually it was a couple days after that, she said, read the story, Jenny, I love you. Love you too, Daddy. Jenny, can I have your pearls? No, Daddy, I, I love you too, Daddy, but not my pearls. You can have my baby doll. You, you, you can have some of my other toys, and she started naming off all her toys. Her daddy was like, no, that's okay, that's okay. A few days pass. Dad goes upstairs. And she's sitting on her bed now, and she's sort of sitting crisscross, sitting inside, you know, and she has her head down. And there's tears coming down. And Daddy sits down on the bed and says, Jenny, what's wrong? She holds out her hand. I love you, Daddy. And she gives him the $1.95 pearls. Dad takes them, 
reaches in his pocket, pulls out a blue velvet bag, pulls out a real set of pearl necklaces, and gives them to her. He always had them in his pocket. He was just sort of waiting. Had them all the time, but he was waiting for her to give up her dime store toy to get the real genuine thing. That's what God wants from us. We hold on to this cheap imitation love and pleasures of this world. And God says, would you let go? I want to give you the real thing. Problem is, we think we can find comfort through those imitations, and there is no comfort there. Second Corinthians, I'm going to skip forward to a scripture here. Second Corinthians 1, 3-9 says this. All praise to God. Matter of fact, I'm going to stop. I want you to turn there with me, would you please? Second Corinthians, let's turn there together. New Testament. If you're by Philippians, you're just going to back up a couple books. Get past Acts and Romans. You got 2 Corinthians and turn to chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want us to see this scripture together, not you just listen to me read it. You may want to underline a few things in here. I want you to think about how many times we've tried to uh, get rid of the false gods in our life and say, I'm, I'm done with this bad habit. I'm, I'm done with this pleasure in my life. It's, it's a little hard, isn't it? We do the things we don't want to do, and we don't do the things we want to do. Paul said that. I think we, a lot of us say that every day, right? thing is, we cannot get rid of those pleasures in our life. We can't get rid of those imitation pearls in our lives. We have to replace it. And so we've got to replace the pleasures with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 3. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. You may want to underline that. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when others are in trouble, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God's given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we're weighed down with troubles, go eat, go game, go sleep, go hang out. No, it doesn't say it, is it? When we're weighed down with troubles, it's for our benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it's so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We're confident that as you share in suffering, you'll also share in God's comfort. As we share in suffering, we share in God's comfort, God's comfort to us. You know, I'm going to say, how do we apply this then, okay? So how do we replace these gods of pleasure in our life with God? This is what it's going to do, okay? We're going to work on this for the next 10 minutes or so. It's called prayer. Let me hear you say prayer. Look at the person next to you and say, we've got to pray more. Tell them. But here's the problem. A lot of us don't know how to pray. A lot of us feel weak in our prayer. A lot of us like, I don't know where to start when to pray. I'm intimidated to pray. I can't pray in a large group. I can't pray in a small group. I don't even like to pray by myself around the dinner table. So we're going to show a video clip. Okay, it's, it's a comedian named Michael Jr., okay? Just a little clip about prayer, just because I think we can all relate to what he's going to say, okay? And then I'm going to ask Rhonda to come up here, and she's going to lead us in a time of prayer. And then I'm going to share a couple of challenges with you concerning prayer, okay? So let's watch this clip. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started 
going to church and I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you want me to, you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Anybody relate to that? Like... I don't know how to pray sometimes. I don't know how to pray around people. Okay, So I've asked Rhonda, who's, who's worked at times with us, who's a prayer coordinator, and, and, and what she does in prayer, just say, Rhonda, could you come up here and just maybe encourage us with some thoughts on prayer and lead us in prayer? Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a miserable sinner. Make haste to help me. Rescue and save me. Let your will be done in my life. Those are words that you can say. That's called the Jesus prayer. That was hilarious what he was saying, but how often do we feel the same way we don't have the words? I listen to Rex pray and I think, why God, why can't I have those same words? I listen to Ben and he has good words, but it doesn't matter what words we have. When we talk to God, it's between him and us. Amen? Amen. I wrote out a whole list of 10 things that you, that you could do to keep you praying. You don't need those 10 things. You already know those 10 things. One of the things that I will share with you this morning is something that I read from James McDonald. If you want peace, real peace, pray biblically. Fervent prayer by yourself out loud. I pray a lot out loud because my mind doesn't wander. Kneel down. And if you pray like this for five to ten minutes, a river of peace will flood over you. Sometimes we don't have the right words. 
But imagine you're going through the darkest time of your life. You don't know how to pray. And the phone rings. It's Billy Graham. He said, hey, I have heard that you're going through a hard time, and I want to pray for you. And he prays for us. He prays for me. prays for me going through this hard time. And I think, God, this great man of God has just prayed for me. How wonderful, how awesome. The phone rings again. It's Chuck Swindoll. He said, hey, I heard you're going through a hard time. I want to pray with you. Another great man of God praying for me. How awesome is that, that these men of God would pray for me? Well, you know what? We have somebody great that already is praying for us. No matter what words we use, he sits at the Father's right hand. His name is Jesus Christ. He is an intercessor for all of our needs. We don't even need to ask. He, he tells the Father, and the Father knows before we even ask. That's what's so awesome about prayer. That's what you can find in prayer. I want to ask you to pray with me this morning. Usually, I have you stand. I'm not going to have you stand this morning. I'm going to have you bow your head, close your eyes. Imagine yourself kneeling, kneeling in the presence of the king in his throne room, kneeling before the king. This is holy ground we're kneeling on. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, Father, we don't always have the right words. Forgive us when we bumble, when we crumble, when we stumble. But God, we call out to you for mercy and grace in our times of need. And we know that you already know before the words leave our lips because Jesus has already interceded for us. Oh, God, be near to us today. Be in our worship, Lord. We just pray that every word that is spoken here today by your servant Rex would go right to our hearts, Lord, that we would, we would place you high above any other. There are no other gods before you. God, may our worship today be pleasing to you. It is for you we do this. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, Rhonda. I'm going to ask uh, Kathy Huner to come up here, please. Worship team, you can come on up, too, and get in position. Again, there's so many things that we enjoy. They do bring pleasure. There's a reason behind that word. Um, but the problem is when we make pleasure the God on our throne of our heart. So again, the application this morning is seeking God in prayer. God, you are the God of comfort, so let's approach God for all things in our lives so that we aren't seeking other things to replace that in our lives. One area I'd like to pray this morning, I'm going to ask uh, any elders that are here this morning to please come up as well.
today is like get active day, I guess. You guys just sort of surround Kathy. We're going to pray for Kathy today. Um, different circumstances that have taken place in this city. Um, our current mayor has resigned. And Kathy is going to be the new mayor here uh, very soon for the city of Wauseon. And she will be the first female Hispanic mayor in the state of Ohio recorded that we know of, correct? That's, a, that's an incredible thing. Um, huge honor. Um, and we want to pray for Kathy, uh, that God leads her as she leads this community. Um, a lot of times I know people separate church and politics. God puts us in places of leadership for various reasons. We're to pray for our leaders, and we need to pray for her. So this morning, uh, you know, I'm, I, as a pastor and as a friend, I'm very proud to say I know, you know, again, who the mayor is, but that, you know, again, female, Hispanic, just all that. It's like, that's incredible. Um, so more importantly, a Christian, a woman of God who loves working with little children to make sure they know who Jesus is. And so to me, that's incredible. So we're going to uh, pray together, and I'm going to ask the elders to just lay hands on Kathy as we pray with her, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning uh, for this time that we've had seeking your word to realize there's a lot of things that can take place in our hearts and distract us from you. And so in those moments of discomfort, we need to approach you, the God of all comfort. And Lord, in a moment of where Kathy's now taking leadership, there's probably going to be a lot of discomfort and discouragement in those moments of leading. And she may be tempted to turn from you to other things to bring her comfort. So God, I just pray that you protect Kathy, and you surround her, Lord, with your presence, with your spirit as she leads, and for her to remember that you are the source of all comfort and truth. I thank you, Lord, for her heart to want to lead, not just with the community, but with the children, the school that she works, that helping these little boys and girls know who you are, and by your son, Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing. Lord, we ask for a blessing upon her and her family. Protect them, Lord, from the evil one. He will try to derail them and discourage her and her family. Lord, we just pray that you give her the wisdom that she needs and the godly way to lead. Bless her, Lord. In the name we pray. Amen. You're welcome. Before the worship team plays, um, there are some other people that have been here, some youth that were at a, an event called fields of faith uh, in which over 240 students and adults gathered at um, Biddle Park from 10 different communities they came all these students it was student-led night the worship team actually was there to help lead in song but it was all student-led prayer and sharing of testimony and uh, you know I could not I could if I want to call up some of the guys that are right here close by me and say hey tell me about that night but I'm not going to do that to them um, but I will tell you this to be in prayer for um, as we try to live for God People are going to try to take us out, okay? Down in Licking County a few weeks ago, uh, as a football team prayed after a football game on the field, the Freedom From Religion group decided to make a phone call and say, we're going to shut you guys down. You can't do that. And so that caused a big stink down in Licking County. Soon after that, the following week, a school in the community nearby said, you can't take God out of this. 
If these kids want to pray, let them pray, because it was student-led prayer. So that community said, calling everybody, see you Friday night out on the football field after the game, so after the football game, it wasn't just the football team that got on that field, but it was the student section and the fans and parents and the football field of the community came to pray to basically say, hey, Freedom From Religion Group, we hear you, but our God's bigger. Last week, I got a, uh, or this past week, I got a phone call from a friend, said, hey, one of our schools with FCA, um, the they have football team has a chaplain. He was called and said, you can no longer meet with the football team and have a message with them before the game or after practice. And so the chaplain stayed home that week and um, my friend called him up and said, how you doing? He said, great. Because Thursday after football practice, 25 football players walked to my house, knocked on my door and said, can you give us a message? So I gave him a message on my front lawn. See, when you try to shut things down for Christ, God rises up. This Friday, um, David Bliss had contacted me and said, hey, can we spread the word? We want to do the same thing. Friday night after the football game in Wauseon against Evergreen, uh, they're going to invite the football teams, student section, fans, anybody that wants to come out on the football field afterwards and pray. And uh, one of our students is going to lead everybody in the Lord's Prayer. Be praying for that night. We try to find comfort in so many different ways. And God says, I want this. I want this heart. I want this throne. So quit trying to replace with all this other stuff. Put me there. And the best way I can say to start replacing that with God is prayer. So in multitudes of ways to be praying. Pick up Max Lucado's new book about prayer. It's a great book. There's all kinds of resources out there. But the biggest thing is, Rhonda said, just get on your knees and just start talking to God.